All right, we're all set. We're streaming live. So let's give everyone a few moments to join here on Zoom and everywhere else that you're joining us from. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Media Gel podcast. I'm your host, Guillermo Bravo. Uh, today, we'll be covering women in cannabis, marketing to women by women with our two special guests today. First, I have Jamie Evans. Jamie Evans is the founder of Herb Song, uh, which is a culinary meets cannabis blog and lifestyle brand that focuses on gourmet, the gourmet side of the cannabis industry. She's a two-time published author and founder CEO of Herba C, uh, the nation's first French-inspired, cannabis-infused, sparkling wine brand. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. And hello <laughs> to all the, the viewers and listeners. And next up, we have Nareet Raphael, who is the founder of Ona Life. Ona Life is an only-in-Marin County boutique cannabis concierge and delivery service. Nareet and Ona have earned the 2018 Green State Cannabis Award for from the... Uh, San Francisco Chronicle, and today she continues to work tirelessly in the community, hosting educational and wellness events designed to destigmatize cannabis. Welcome to the show, Nuri. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you as well. Uh, well, you know, let's first kick it off, uh, Nuri. You know, what really inspired you to create your brand? Um, you know, Ona was started or created really back in 2014, which was a completely different playing field at the time. Um, you're looking at Prop 215, which was like a collective law. So when I, you know, jumped into the industry, I did a lot of research and I would order delivery to my house. Yeah. And I really started to notice just the way the services were that like this kind of, you know, grungy guy would show up to my house with like a brown bag that was like, roll down like a little 40 almost and kind of like looking around to make sure nobody saw this guy do the exchange with me. It felt just didn't feel very elevated. Um, and I'm kind of the type of girl that shops at Intermix or Nordstrom's Bloomingdale's like I really like my elevated experience. So I really noticed this gap in the market of being able to deliver to people like myself. So I basically built Ona off of this gap in the market and something I know I would want to shop at personally. Um, and then when I did that, it really spoke to the Marin moms. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I guess that's the kind of the follow up here is, you know, who is your, your brand speaking to? Yeah. So um, our brand really speaks to women, but at the same time, it speaks to the whole family. Um, so as much as Ona is this like elevated brand, yeah. you're having this great experience. You're now sharing it with your sister or your brother or your uncle. And so it, it, it opens the market up to the whole family, which is really amazing. I love that. Yeah. I mean, what better way to experience cannabis than with your entire family? Is it a barbecue or... 
you know, what, whatever, whatever way that you want to enjoy cannabis on a hike or however you uh, want to leverage cannabis for your experiences. It's, yeah. it's great to do it together. Right. I, I will say the number one right now are the beverages and also sleep yeah. insomnia. Everyone yeah. has insomnia. <laughs> oh yeah, I do <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with all the, the news and everything going on, like, yeah, it'll definitely, it'll definitely stress you out and keep you up at night, right? Especially if you're, you're paying attention to, to all the latest news going on over in Europe right now, right? So, uh, you know, as far as the, the values that are important to you as a business, Serena, like what, what are those you know, values that you want to instill in your business and how are they reflected in, you know, your, the experience that you're providing to, to women and to the families? Yeah, th this one's actually one of my favorites because uh, Ona was truly built by me and my brother. So there's really yeah. family at the core and you feel that all the way through. Our employees become family and then our clients become our family. Um, so you feel that just about all the way in an entire circle, but really the experience, I would say, um, it's like our excellence in service. Um, yeah. I know that the bio I gave you was a little bit old and we now have seven awards for excellence in service today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one will be released in two days. It's the Marin IJ. So yeah, you really feel that in service. And we always say the client is always right, no matter what. Love that. Um, we also, you know, most dispensaries don't do this, but back to my Nordstrom's comment, if somebody yeah. buys something from Ona and they're not happy with it, we'll take it back. We'll say, let's try this again. You know, cannabis is not one size fits all. Let's see what we can get to you that will feel good. So we might be kind of losing money, but I think of it as like a marketing strategy. So that service really shows in that way of like, we want to make sure you're getting what you want. You're going to stay loyal to us and they're going to continue coming back. And so that that's probably one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's not common in cannabis, right? Because you're, you, you're not going to be able to get money back from the brand on that. So you have to, you take a loss as a business owner, right? Yep. And we um, have to put in this like Gaia box. You can't like, you can't just like dispose of it. It goes through a whole procedure of kind of like a kickback or like, it's like a bad product. Yeah, and that re really reminds me of Zappos and how they scaled, right? Um, they weren't, they're not the same business model as you, but, you know, they're doing e-commerce and they took that same approach of putting the customer first. They're always right. Mm -hmm. And if you, uh, if they're not, if the customer is not happy, then there's no, there's no loss to them in returning the product. So kudos to you to kind of follow in that same model and providing that, that same experience uh, you. to your customers. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And Jamie, what inspired you to create your brand? Yeah, well, brands? Um, hello, <laughs> yeah, a couple of brands. So hello, everyone again. Um, so I'm probably best known for my cannabis dining events and mm -hmm. wine and weed experiences here throughout California. And that was really due to my work at the Herb Psalm. So I launched um, my blog and lifestyle brand, the Herb Psalm, back in 2017 mm -hmm. and really focused on the culinary side to cannabis. Okay. And so at first I was just writing about different cannabis chefs, different edible producers, and really kind of exploring the ins and outs of, um, you know, cannabis and food and cannabis and beverages. Yeah. And so during this time as well, I, I wrote two books. And so Cannabis Drinks is my newest book, but I also wrote The Ultimate Guide to CBD. Um, both of these books really incorporate recipes and just really good lifestyle guides that help you use cannabis in general. So while I was writing my cannabis drinks book, I 
fell in love with cannabis drinks. <laughs> and I actually come from a long history of working in the wine industry. So, you know, coming from the beverage side of the world and then learning about cannabis drinks and how, you know, this category has really taken off in the last few years. When I started my blog, cannabis drinks really weren't a thing in 2017. They, I think like in 2018, 2019, we started to see more brands come online. Um, and now in 2022, there's just such an amazing spread of all types of beverages. Um, and I think when I was thinking about cannabis drinks in the back of my head, I was like, I would love to have my own cannabis drink beverage okay. and coming from wine. I mean, okay, of course it makes sense for me to create a cannabis infused wine. Mm -hmm. So at that point, um, I met some amazing business partners and we launched my brand Urbasi, um, which is a cannabis infused sparkling wine. It's non-alcoholic, which is pretty great. And we launched with a sparkling rosé. Um, that really does drink like a wine. And so that is something that I really wanted to bring into the space. Uh, and it's been an amazing journey since. And I actually launched with Ona Life in December. So we are a very brand new brand, uh, but things yeah. have been going quite well. So um, yeah, I think just like the inspiration behind my brand was my love for wine and really kind of bringing this concept to life of celebrating the flower and the vine. And uh the name Herbasi actually means herbaceous in French, which is a term we use in the wine industry to describe herbal notes in wine. I, I love the, the story behind, you know, the curation of this product. And I mean, it's, you know, I, I'd love to try it. I know that my, my sister's up there in uh, Northern California would love it as well. So yeah, <laughs> I'll be, available I'll at be... life. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and you mentioned that you launched through Ona. Can you give me a little insight into what that looked like? Yeah. So yeah. when I was thinking about launch partners, well, yeah. Nareet and I have known each other for the past several years. Yeah. And like I live in Marin County, Nareet's in Marin County as well. But just thinking about this type of beverage, I think it does so well in Northern California as it is. We're so yeah. used to beautiful wine products. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like the consumer base was the right place for this product. And Nareet and um, Aviv were so kind to take me on and help me launch this product. And so I think we had a very successful launch. It was right before Christmas time. And we had a launch event at a holiday market down in Mill Valley. And we've done a few pop-ups since then. So I think we've done a really great job at co-marketing mm -hmm. and co-advertising. And we've done a lot of things together um, since the launch. Yeah. And I'm assuming this, I mean, the, the product is for women, right? Well, as you can see, it's very pink yeah. <laughs> and floral, but um, men actually enjoy this product as well. And so when I used to work in the wine industry, we'd see a lot of men drink rosé. Yeah. And so I think um, this is a product for both, but of course it does probably skew a little bit more female just because of our, our flowery yeah. pink packaging. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, if you love rosé, I think anyone who loves rosé will like this product. It's, it's a fabulous product and there really wasn't anything like it on the market, but truly like when you taste it, you are, you're just blown away. Cause yeah. you know, beverages can be a little hard to make. And Jamie just picked the most spectacular grapes to make this infusion. And it's, it's something so easy to stand by. And it's so easy to sell as soon as we get somebody to just have that little taste. 
And she was smart enough to do non-medicated um, options as well. So we can do yeah. these uh, like event pop-up events at yoga studios and there's no issue with people trying it, which is great. And Jamie, can you touch on that a little bit more? The the curation of the product, uh, you know, Nareet mentioned that there's grapes inside this. Like what was the old, the whole process for actually creating this product? Yeah, well, it's been, it's been super fascinating to work on because I do come from the traditional wine industry and never in my life did I think I'd be working with non-alcoholic wines, but it's actually a super fascinating product. So what we do is um, I found a beautiful, uh, uh, winery and we for, we bought our, our first lot down from the central coast of California where I actually studied wine and viticulture at Cal Poly so it's a very near and dear place to my heart um, to source wine from so we found an incredible rosé lot that was a Grenache Mavedra Cinso blend so very like south of France um, it almost tastes like a Provence wine a sparkling wine if you will <laughs> and the curation of this really comes down to working with some key partners um, to make this a cannabis infused beverage. So one thing that's really important about this specific product is you have to use non-alcoholic wine. So the first step is you buy the wine lot from a winery and then you have to de-alkalize the wine, which is an incredible, it's just super fascinating how they do this. And really you're running wine through almost like a three story tall, it almost looks like a distiller you're actually doing the opposite of pulling the alcohol out. And I work with a company called Bev Zero up in Santa Rosa, and they have this incredible technology that actually allows us to do this while really preserving um, the wine. So at the end of the day, if you're using a very um, high quality wine lot, your dealkalized wine is going to taste delicious. Yeah. And so by working with Bev Zero, um, I also work with a company called Vertosa, which crafts um, the cannabis emulsions that are in the drink to make it cannabis infused. And they, I think by far have a, an, an amazing selection of emulsions. And the one I chose was very neutral. So when you're enjoying our products that are bossy, you're really kind of um, enjoying more of the wine characteristics. You're not like taking a sip out of your wine glass and getting blown away by um, very expressive cannabis notes. It really does drink and taste like a wine, which was important to me. Um, so there's there's many things that go into a cannabis beverage, but I think with a cannabis infused wine, the two most important things are that dealkalized wine and then the cannabis emulsions that you're working with. Wow. Well, that's a that's an impressive process. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, i yeah, kudos to you on on creating such a unique product, and um, yeah, I'm excited to try it myself. So. Yeah. Well, let's talk about right. owning. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about owning a business uh, in cannabis as a woman. Um, you know, let's talk about your personal journey. What industries were you working in previously, and inspired you to transition into the cannabis space? And let's, let's start on your side, Nuri, since we we know Jamie's background here. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my background was very wide, I'll say. I yeah. um, kind of like started my career in mortgages and did the whole subprime market. And when that mm. crashed, I ended up working in post-production visual effects on feature films um, here in San Francisco and really built a, a great resume. I was on Game of Thrones and Deadpool and San Andreas and the Ninja Turtles and all these like really cool films, but I, I truly had no passion for them. I was just kind of there because I was good at coordinating. Yeah. And so 
you know, in 2014, when Colorado legalized, I was like, California's next. <laughs> like, I know California's next. I want to get into this. And at that time, Women Grow was like a huge networking event for women in cannabis. So doing my online searches, I, I decided to go to one of the events. And I end up meeting these two amazing ladies, Amanda and Shabnan, they own Brandon Branch. And so they are attorneys in the cannabis industry. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Like, I'm so nervous to get into this industry. Like, I don't want to get arrested. Come from a great background. And so they hired me on the spot. Shabnan was like, you, you know, you, you kind of look like my little sister. You could come to the events and then I don't have to go to the events. And so we like built this bond really quickly. Um. And the next day I, I quit my job. I started working for them. And since they were IP lawyers, I really got to see all the new brands that were coming in. Right. So at this point, you're kind of like seeing the phase of like old, old weed to new weed coming in with the beautiful mm -hmm. package. Kikoko had just launched, like Kiva yeah. was launching. It was like a very exciting time. And through that, I really was like kind of taking notes of like, yeah, when I build my business, I want it to represent these brands that are like the new beautifully packaged yep. cannabis products. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I remember meeting you way back when I think I'm probably 2015, 2016, when I was just getting started as well. Yeah. yeah just, just doing my own research and, and getting involved in the community. And, and I believe we met in San Francisco sometime. I but think yeah. we had like a conference in San Francisco, if I remember it right, like kind of by, um, house of fine arts or something yeah that's it right? yeah yeah you know back then too we had to lobby a lot we didn't really know where the industry was taking us so you know we all had collectives but we heard legalizations like looming ahead so i actually started an association called the marine county couriers association to start lobbying for delivery companies so i was doing that up and down Marin to each city until the city of San Rafael was like, okay, let's do a pilot program. Um, so that was like, that was my in into getting a license. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Anything that you'd like to add as far as your journey into to cannabis, Jamie? Well, as I mentioned before, so I come from a long history of working in the wine industry, um, but my wine career actually began when I started, started studying at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. So I started studying wine at the very young age of 18, <laughs> and um, it was just such an amazing journey. And during college, too, I had the opportunity to travel abroad. So I studied in France, Italy, Switzerland, and Australia to learn about wine. And it really mm -hmm. helped me kind of learn about <clears throat> the international wine business. Yeah. And so after college, I went and worked at Jackson Family Wines, um, specifically worked with Kendall Jackson, which was a very big brand to learn on, which was exciting. Okay. Um, after I went from KJ, I worked at the Napa Valley Grape Grower, so did some nonprofit work. Uh, and then I think what really kind of started my entrepreneurial spirit was I actually was um, brought on the team to launch a tasting room in San Francisco called Jack's Vineyards. Mm -hmm. so at that time, it was just myself and the CEO, and we basically built a tasting room from the ground up. And wow. I was wearing so many hats during that time. So I was running the tasting room, I was doing events. Um, I had a full team and it just really gave me the opportunity to learn how to run a business. And I thought it was just incredibly exciting to do that, especially in the heart of San Francisco. Um, but I stayed there for a couple of years, then went into wine PR and worked um, at Folio Fine Wine Partners. 
And so I, um, at that time we had an international portfolio. So I worked on the public relations for many um, wineries all around the world. Also worked with the Mandavi family. Yeah. So it was a, a very good career in the wine industry, um, but coming into cannabis, uh, I think it just was one of the most um, fulfilling decisions that I like decided to do. And as Narit mentioned, so when I was kind of exploring the cannabis space, I also went to many women grow meetings and I thought it was just so refreshing to see a room full of women founders, you know, female CEOs, which coming from the wine industry um, is very male dominated. So coming into cannabis, I was like, oh my gosh, I could maybe have my own business in this space. And so in 2017, it just, um, everything kind of fell in line and I decided to pursue the herb psalm. And um, I think, you know, the more I learned about cannabis, you know, there are so many similarities between wine and cannabis, yeah. first of all, but the ways in which um, cannabis just works with our internal systems really led to my career change. And I think this plant is truly incredible and it can help change the world. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And that's really the, the reason I got in out of, at a family friend that was uh, diagnosed with a brain tumor and given a year to live. And she used, you know, at that time it was Rick Simpson oil mm. uh, going to Emerald cup and really doing her own research uh, using that in combination with, you know, going vegan and also chemotherapy. And she's still with us today and mm. she's running a dispensary. So that was like oh, wow. the reason that's that I got into it. That's the reason I got in the space. Like seriously, before it was like hip hop and, and cannabis and culture, but it wasn't as seriously on the, mm-hmm. you know, on the medicinal benefits. Right. And that just really opened up my eyes and I haven't looked back since. Right. Yeah. I, I have to agree <laughs> with that statement. You know, you like, as somebody who sells it to so many different clients for yeah. so many different needs, you, you really see how it has this like 360, mm-hmm from you know from clearly the medical from epilepsy depression anxiety sleep whatever it might be to the recreational side and you just see the benefits of it are unlimited it's yeah 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 and then you know uh, jamie kind of hit on your point as far as uh, you know women uh, in leadership positions in cannabis you know studies have shown that companies with women in, in these positions uh you know, do better and perform better overall. And I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. And like, what qualities do you think women bring to the table, uh, you know, that are help elevate the business? Yeah. Well, one thing straight off the top of my head, which I think is really important in cannabis, women, we tend to support each other and we really like to collaborate and communicate very well. And so when I first started in this space, um, I think, well, the women was a big part of that, but I, it was just amazing because so many people wanted to collaborate um, to take me under their wing and teach me about the cannabis space. And even like cannabis chefs, like Kareen Carroll, who's my dear friend, she taught me so much about culinary cannabis. So I think, um, I just think it's amazing that, especially in this space, that if we continue to support, like support each other um, and kind of be mentors to one another, I think that's what really makes women unique in this space, absolutely. I love that, yeah. I have to echo that, Jamie. Like you you just kind of brought me down my line of like, clearly Amanda Shabnon gave me that opportunity, but then as my career kept going, there was Amy Jenkins, who's like a very well-known state lobbyist that would 
teach me all the ins and outs in that regard. And then there was somebody in marketing and advertising. It was just like this whole community just like surrounded you and bubbled you and was like, we're going to support you and make this happen. And I don't feel like we see that much in other industries either. I think cannabis really has a true heart in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the community is really important in cannabis. And even to this day, I have some incredible mentors and advisors. And I highly recommend for anyone who's running a cannabis business to surround yourself with some really solid advisors that can help you navigate this crazy, crazy world <laughs> and this crazy industry, because it is a very tough industry. Yeah, yeah and you touched on a great point. That's mentorship, right? It's, it's incredibly valuable you know, for anyone in business. Do you have any mentors in the space or suggestions for associations you know, that other women in the industry can join? Well, I think um, one industry that I'm involved with is the, the Women's Inclusion Network. Uh -huh. And so that's a part of the ArcView um, family. Awesome. And so it's just a networking group specifically for women, which has been really great. Uh, but also with mentorship, um, I think what I, what I did with my business is I, well, networking is super key, <laughs> but also I looked at businesses that I really looked up to and Garden Society um, was a brand that I kind of fell in love with early on. And so Erin Gore, she's the CEO and founder of Garden Society. So she is an advisor of mine now, and she has just been so helpful in so many ways. Um, so I think it's really kind of identifying um, a brand you really love and someone you really look up to um, and just talking with them, network with them and see if they can help. Ask them to join on the webinar and, and yeah. pick their brain, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nareed, any, any thoughts on your side? God, I mean, um, she, totally, she totally nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> You're still in her thunder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's literally similar to what I did with, you know, the research of women grow and then once I met Amanda and Shabnon, but, um, you know, NCIA and CCIA were really big um, associations I used to be really heavily involved in. Um, I, I, I hate to say it, but after getting my license, I kind of had to like hone down on the business and like kind of step back from all the conferences and networks. Yeah. But also Hall of Flowers is a great conference to go to, to meet different people within the industry. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Hall of Flowers has been great for us as well, you know, reaching retailers and brands within the cannabis space. It's been such a, you know, just nice to see the evolution of events, you know, going to the first one in Santa Rosa to where it is now. It's like a whole different, it's a whole nother level. <laughs> totally. And like, hey, we get to go to Palm Springs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that also was very helpful is I would, well, now we're come, kind of coming out of this COVID bubble where we are now going to events again. Yep. So anytime there was an event opportunity, I would go to that event and just meet people and try to network. And so I think if like, if you're looking at a cannabis dinner or cannabis pop-up or happy hour, like definitely get out there and go and just yeah. try to network. Cause that was something that was so key when I first launched my business. Yeah. Is it me or does cannabis have more events per like per like number of people in the industry compared to any other any other industry? Right? It's yeah. Before COVID, there were so many events. I was actually hosting a ton of, like a ton of events as well, almost one every month. It seemed like so. Um, but yeah, it's a great place to meet people for sure. Definitely. Just to do a little uh, plug in, I'm hosting an herbal happy hour at Shack Fifteen on. March 3rd with our TET, which is another um, beverage company. So 
ping me if you want to come. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, you can. Uh, where would they? Where would they see that event details? Um, that on, I have on to get the link. It's still being created because it was kind of like a, a little bit of a last minute thing coming along. But this uh, beautiful place called Shack Fifteen. It's above the Ferry Building. They've been very open to the cannabis industry and helping us kind of like come back and as a whole, which I think is really key after COVID. We've kind of, we've, you know, as Jamie said, we've lost a lot of those events. Yeah. Yeah. And we're excited to get them back. Right. We want to we're getting tired of being uh, behind the, uh, the screen here on zoom all day. I want to get in person. I want to try these drinks. I want right. to, uh, to hang with you, you know, hang with you and spend some time with you uh, in person. So I get it. I get it. Uh, we're all yearning for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's kind of switching gears here, you know, according to Brightfield group, uh, you know, women cannabis users make up 59% of new users and, and tend to be younger and heavier consumers than men. Uh, you know, with that being said, do you think cannabis brands are doing a good job of marketing to women? Uh, you know, what forms of content or brand voice do you find uh, speak to the female audience? And I'll kind of leave that open to you, Nareen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely think we're seeing a lot of female-focused brands coming yeah. out. Like, you know, Jamie's number one over here. But yeah. um, really, the marketing is, it's so easy to understand the marketing that's coming across right now. You're seeing Calm, you're seeing Sleep, you're seeing Bliss. It really just, like, it, it's so easy to understand what these products are trying to do for you. And then they're also bringing it to us in this health and wellness aspect. It's not... Right. It's like you're being, you want to be uplifted. You want to feel balanced. They're really hitting all the key points of what females are kind of looking for, especially the majority of these women are moms who are probably working. And where do they find their balance? And where do they kind of find their Zen in the middle of the day? Oh, maybe it's with a Moroccan mint, you know, a little 2.5, <laughs> which we like to call our mommy mints. Um, yeah. So I, I think brands are doing a really spectacular job with it. We, you know, our marketing efforts are kind of interesting. Like we do a lot of old school marketing in terms of mm -hmm. like print ads and magazines. So Marin Magazine is one of our huge go-tos, the same with um, Marin Living. And we know that that market really is showing to women. So a lot of our ads are showing that this is for yeah. you guys, have, you know, it's going to be great. Perfect. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> great answer. Uh, um, I was waiting for you, Jamie. <laughs> one, one thing to add too is, you know, as we look across the United States, I think it's time we squash the stigmas and the age of stereotypes. Like women like weed too. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, there is such a big opportunity to market to women. And mm -hmm. I think now we're seeing brands that are specifically focused on women, which really wasn't the case several years ago. And so I think there is a huge opportunity um, to speak to this base and year after year, uh, female consumers are doubling, tripling, and they're now outpacing men coming into the cannabis industry. So yeah. it's just a really fascinating, um, category to keep your eye on. And, uh, I think it's, it's super important to keep marketing and selling cannabis products to women. Yeah. Um, cosmic views, Viva La Vie. I feel like that was one of the first ones that was really about like, I hate to say it, but like vagina health. And it was yeah such a like groundbreaking move to see this product come in to talk about something so mm -hmm. focused on women. Yeah. And Kikoko and Garden Society, again, will bring them up because they were really probably the first brands that I noticed that were very targeted towards women. So yeah, they've done an incredible job. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, another random one, I don't know if you've heard of it, but Hello Again, they're actually vaginal suppositories, mm-hmm. uh, which has been helping with endometriosis to like back pains, cramping, mm-hmm. again, like just like straight on that target. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of lot of products that are available and, and Joanne is is uh, posting some of those in the oh, chat Quim. here. Yeah, uh, I see Oh yeah, Quim, love Quim. How can I, I, I can't believe I didn't mention Quim. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, on, on our side, when we're, you know, we, we have a programmatic advertising tool and we can segment, you know, people by gender, uh, by age, demographics. Uh, what are the different ways that, or different female cannabis consumer archetypes that you would, that you look at and that you market to differently? Like what type of personas, uh, you know, what Joanne mentioned baby boomers and senior wellness, like what, what are the other types of women that you would market to and do you have different messaging for them? Uh, over at Ona, I would say our messaging is pretty similar and something uh-huh. I didn't really mention earlier about like the experience with Ona, you're, you're dealing with a lot of phone, phone conversations. Our concierge is hmm. ready on call to have that conversation with you whether it's a five minute conversation or a 45 minute conversation, you're asking all the questions under the moon, right? So I will say yes, our baby boomers and seniors are having a little bit longer of a conversation, a little bit more in depth, which we love. We do a lot of, um, you know, for the seniors when they're so not used to this like pre-packaged cannabis experience and not really knowing their, what, what their dosing might be. We really mm-hmm. get along on doing, write a journal, like write it down, see how you felt that night and kind of like inching them into feeling comfortable with it and definitely doing the start low and slow and then gradually working your way up. I, but yeah. I, I feel like that kind of goes, it's universal, right? Because it is not one size fits all. We don't know what might work for me is not going to work for Jamie. Um, but yeah, I feel like the marketing actually kind of stays the same between, you know, all ages and actually all genders as well. Okay. Okay. No, yeah. I'm just trying to think of, you know, we have the uh, business professional, right? Someone making, you know, mm-hmm. making over 150K or more. They're, they're, uh, yeah, you know, working late hours might need cannabis for sleep, and then you have more the wellness, yeah, uh, you know, archetype where it's it's more for smoking to enhance their their yoga session or their hiking session or whatever it might be. So there's like different ways that people use it for based on income. Yeah, um, but I think that the I mean, Joanne just posted in here too is like the products are geared toward women are higher end. Do you think that's think that's true? I think, yeah, I do think that is true. Okay. Um, but I also can say that like anybody can use the same gummy, right? Yeah. Like, yes, it might be here. Here's what I'll say. I think everyone has a different consumption preference and depending on their preference, they're going to get pushed into a certain, uh, kind of like product section. Right. So mm-hmm. that's how we, that's how we start. It's like, the conversation is like, okay, you're trying to do one thing. Are you willing to smoke? Are you willing to take an edible? And then it breaks it down from there. But women, women do want a higher end product, but at the same time, our whole menu is high end and we yeah. really sell to everyone. 
Mm -hmm. I think just to add on, you know, before even selling a cannabis product, it's just important and to understand like why that consumer wants to use cannabis in the first place, because some people are coming to cannabis in very different ways. So some people want to use it for health and wellness. Um, Some people are using cannabis for like more lifestyle purposes or for more like recreational purposes. And then we have like the can of curious who are coming in, um, just kind of exploring the space. So I think once you kind of identify Um, you know, why the consumer wants to use cannabis, then you can go further into targeting kind of like that niche market and maybe identifying, you know, specific age groups. And I I do think, um, as Norit mentioned, maybe with women, it's um, with age groups, it's maybe not as targeted, but I think with like baby boomers, like maybe a 50 year old woman might want something different than a 20 year old. So I think it's just important to kind of identify that niche category and kind of dig deeper from there. And um, with my Herbsom work, so like the niche category I've really focused on is culinary cannabis. So I think once you can identify something that really speaks to your audience, like that will make your marketing pretty successful. I, I totally agree with that. I will say I, I was on phones yesterday at Ona and this, you know, senior lady's on the phone with me. She's like, do you have any of that hash infused, live resin infused pre rolls? And I was like, "What?" Like, I was like, probably like so off guard, you know? And you know, we had a couple, but she like wanted more, and it was, yeah. it was something that like really caught me off guard. You just like, I was like, "Wow, you just never know what somebody's into." Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like she has a lot of experience and knowledge in the cannabis space, and is looking totally. for something specific. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, with the um, Herba C and, and that product is it, you know, it's focused on, uh, you know, people that are trying to replace, like looking for a alcohol alternative, right? I mean, that's yeah. one of the markets. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think too, with this specific drink is um, cannabis beverages are a perfect alternative to alcohol, as you mentioned. And so what we're kind of seeing with this product specifically is people are, coming into cannabis beverages, looking for something that maybe um, will replace that glass of wine they have every night. And that won't give them a hangover the next day. But we're also seeing a lot of just curious consumers in general trying cannabis drinks. Um, So this is like a new category. People are curious to see what the buzz is about. (laughs) And um, I think with our packaging too, so we actually were very... um, we wanted to launch in cans, which is different than a lot of the cannabis wine brands that are out there now. And the reason why we wanted to do this was to make it very approachable for all types of consumers to buy. Um, And so we we released it in single cans. And so it's not gonna break the bank for you to go out, get a single can and taste it versus buying like a 750 milliliter bottle, which could be $50 or more. And so we we really wanted to make it approachable fun you know it's in a can so a lot of rosés that are in a can it's just an easy way to consume you can put it in your bag take it to the beach (laughs) um so we wanted to make an elevated brand but also very approachable for many types of consumers yeah and i you know the conversation i had with uh warren uh last month is you know he was always talking about uh you know, how beverages can help us normalize cannabis socially, right? You can't, if you're smoking a joint, uh, people are going to, they're going to know your business. They're going to smell it. You're walking down the street. Like they're, they, they know what you're up to, right? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, they don't feel comfortable maybe lighting up a joint at a party, 
but they would feel so much more comfortable bringing a four pack of beverages into a social experience. And I think something that's just really exciting about the cannabis drink space in general is we have a lot of low dose beverages. Yeah. And so you can actually, we call them sessionable beverages. You can actually have more than one in a sitting, which kind of gives you that same effect as when you're drinking like a glass of wine or a beer and you're with your friends, you're kind of having that social sessionable experience altogether. So I think it really is kind of changing the way uh, we think about cannabis, especially consuming it um, in public social settings. Yeah, that's something that, you know, when I was just joining the industry and, and learning, you know, about how people interact with you know, with, uh, with cannabis, you know, a lot of, one of the requests that, that I heard like right in the beginning is like, what's a, what's a beer equivalent or what's a drink equivalent? Because there was all these like hundred milligram (laughs) edibles back then, like pre, you know, like in the uh, early two thousands and like people were having, you know, they were consuming too much and they were having bad experiences. So that's something that I heard all the time is like, what is a drink equivalent? Like I want to have two beers. I want to fill a buzz, but I don't want to get out of control. Well, that was, that was exactly something when Jamie came to me, I was like, what's your ratio going to be? And (laughs) you know, when, when she came with the five to five, I was like, oh my God, perfect. Cause that one really keeps you uplifted and balanced and you're not feeling tired, nor are you feeling anxiety. It's like, that like right in the middle type of feel, which like she said, you can have more than one and you can be yeah. social with it and just have it out with the barbecue while everyone else is drinking their beers. Yeah. yeah. And the amazing thing is like, we have the power to create these beverages with multiple cannabinoids and cannabinoids work better together. So it makes sense to have a beverage and incorporate, you know, CBD, THC, you know, uh, there's Delta eight, some drinks have Delta eight in there, um, THCV. I mean, I've seen a lot of different cannabinoids now being used, which I think is incredibly exciting. Yeah. Somebody needs to come out with a THC beverage. That's that like skinny girl vodka, you know, <laughs> skinny girl weed drink. <laughs> yeah. I think Jim and Jane actually has a THCV, um, dominant drink. And I actually, it's very nice. Yeah. I'll have to try that. I haven't tried that yeah. one yet. Yeah, it definitely gives you more of like a, a uplifted buzz. <laughs> like you got a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> so no munchies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then as far as the the difference, you know, differences between marketing to women versus men, is there any subtle you know, nuances that you that you found kind of you know, speaking to women versus men? And how's that like reflected in your uh, your marketing? Is there any, we kind of touched on this right now, but it's. Yeah, I think like with women, um, packaging and presentation really matters, um, as well as using just a lot of thoughtful detail and more like emotional cues versus men who are, um, you know, they think like things more simple, but very kind of like design oriented. I think there's different ways you can approach both men and women. Okay. Um, but for the most part, I think um, packaging is really important, but also a high quality product yeah. uh, is important as well. So something that tastes good, gives good effects, um, and something that's reliable too is also important. Yeah, definitely. I would say reliable is key. You, you know, and def- people definitely notice that they order, uh, you know, a pack of gummies and the next time they order it and it was like the dosing was totally off or totally different. Um, that can definitely push them away, but it, I really believe it has to do with packaging. Um, 
And then, you know, a lot of people are very in tuned with what they're ingesting. So if like canned as the agave, that really hits a certain like health conscious type of market that we're, we're seeing. We definitely have a lot of like vegan products on the market. Um, so yeah, I definitely think you, each person will really find what they're looking for as they're going through the menu. Agreed. And, you know, before we, we have about 15 minutes left here. So I just want to make sure that the audience knows that they, they can ask questions. If you want to use the Q and a feature in the bottom of zoom or just the, the live chat, like, uh, Joanne is, uh, any, any questions that you have, Joanne, that you'd like to ask Nareed or Jamie? Uh, feel free to post them there as far as as far as like I worked for l'oreal uh 40 years 40 years ago and their, their slogan was because i'm worth it and empowered women maybe oh yeah i remember yeah that was a big marketing campaign i remember that yeah. I, I can't like say that there's many slogans in cannabis and correct me if hmm. i'm wrong yeah, there's not many slogans. I, I, I haven't really come across any, at least any that have like stuck in my head, like yeah. a L'Oreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like Ona's slogan is like couture cannabis delivered. So that like kind of gives that feeling of like, you're going to have this like couture experience straight to your door. Uh, but I'm trying to think of like other cannabis slogans. Aussies celebrate the flower and the vine. Yeah. Yeah, I was just taking a, doing a quick Google search here. And yeah, there's no one that's really owning that or that is, hmm. you know, it's, you know, for us, I don't know if it's a slogan, but we're connecting brands with consumers, you know, it's providing that, that platform so you can connect. Uh, but there's, you know, a lot of the kind of old evergreen slogans that are, you know, we're trying to, to get rid of, <laughs> right? <laughs> We're also yeah. not really allowed to have commercials quite yet, right? So like you can't oh, really have a little like, song in there. Yeah, the jingles. <laughs> yeah, the jingles. I, did you guys see was who was it? Weed Maps that did that broccoli commercial that oh, yeah. to um Super Bowl. I love when they, you know, even though they know they're not gonna get on air, but I love that they still push them out and get all that um publicity around it. It's it's so cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And when will we actually see someone on the Super Bowl? It's going to, you know, I actually wrote a LinkedIn post on that. It's going to, it's going to have to come after federal legalization. So. I would assume so. But did you um, see the NFL donated like a couple million dollars yeah. to research? So I was like, that's a huge step, you know? Mm-hmm. And they also stopped testing their players. So yeah, that's another. <laughs> and what, what, as far as uh, consuming content, dude, you know, do women consume content differently or is there any like different marketing tactics? I know, uh, Jamie, you know, your, your experience in events and the tasting rooms, like your, you know, how you actually went to market with, with Narit and, you know, like it's real, it's real more like in person, right? It's more, yeah. more community, like you said, supporting the community and so on. Like, is there any, any tactics that you found to be more effective? Yeah, to reach well, the female audience. I think social media and Instagram yeah. specifically has always been a huge thing um, that has helped my business, both in the Herbsom and Herbasi. And there's many different tools that you can use with Instagram. So Instagram Lives, yeah. like Nareet and I did an Instagram Live when we launched the beverage back in December. Um, also like recipes has always been something that's been really key um, for everything that I've done with the herb psalm, as well as our bossy. We actually feature recipes on our, our bossy website. 
Um, but I think like specifically for women, I feel like women do kind of like the DIY type things a little bit more. (laughs) And so, um, I think, especially when we were going through COVID, anything with like at home, like do it at home was um, something that was super key as well. But in terms of content, yeah, social media has been really key events. I think events are so important and I'm happy we're kind of coming into the the world where we can start hosting events again. Mm -hmm. And events really give us the opportunity to educate about cannabis in a live setting where people can ask questions, Um, At my dinners, we had people coming and they'd be with their friends eating an infused meal. And it really kind of opens the door for this new kind of experience where you're not walking into dispensary, you're coming, you're coming into this dinner um, to learn about cannabis um, and enjoy a great meal with friends. So I think there's a lot of ways that we can think about content and a lot of different creative ways that we can actually execute it. Yeah. You know, the events, I'm so happy they came back and I'm so happy that they came right when you launched because I had really like emerged myself into this Marin community that I'm super grateful for that always invite Ona to, you know, whether it's like a marketplace at a surf shop or at the Country Mart, you know, all these very like community events where you're really seeing your clientele like face to face, as Jamie said, with that education piece. But they're also allowing us to bring cannabis into, you know, a setting that's normally not there. Yeah. Rather, in like it, it's almost better than being a storefront dispensary because you, you know, your dispensaries mm-hmm. are always like kind of further away or not like really set into a location where there's going to be families and whatnot. But since we're not actually selling and it's educating, you really are putting yourself in like the best position possible for those people. And to have the opportunity to be at like not a traditional cannabis event. So if you can go to like just a lifestyle event where people are selling other types of products besides cannabis, um, I think that's also super key and which helped um, a lot with our launch. So yeah, the the experiential aspect of events. I know, you know, I've consumed wine while, you know, doing an hour, two hour kind of art workshop. That's that's always fun. That's super fun. Um, <laughs> we'll need outdoor. to get famous wine with the art. That would be really fun. <laughs> yeah. Out in, I mean, California, Miami, they have it where you do like outdoor rooftop yoga mm-hmm. and it's infused. People are passing around a joint before. Yeah. Um, something like that. That I know, Nareet, you've done that. You've hosted those type of events in San Francisco. Yeah. Those are my favorite. There's so much. Yeah. And I got to get a, a yoga event uh, curated here soon. We've, we've, you know, we've been doing a lot of like the outdoor, um, like Mark, like where we launched Jamie was, um, it was called holiday fest. And it was like a bunch of like female owned makers from like candles to jewelry and purses. And there's this really cool way to incorporate it. But yeah, the, the cannabis retreats can be amazing. We did one at Geyser Peak Ranch a couple years back and brought the ladies up in a limo with farm to table dinner and like lavender hand wipes, like, you know, very, very bougie. <laughs> Beautiful event. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, that. Bring that one back for sure. Ele- elevate and flow. We got to bring volume yeah. three back. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. And then, you know, what excites you, you know, most about the future of cannabis, especially for, you know, females uh, looking to join the industry? Oh. <laughs> Crystal ball, what are you... <laughs> What do you think we have? Uh, taxes to get lower. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You really need that happen. in California. Yeah. Gotta happen eventually. Um, you know, I think every day we're seeing so many cool new things. I was just telling, 
you guys before we got on the phone, but I haven't shared with the audience. There's this brand called Bohemian Chemist um, and they're up in Mendocino, Philo area. And, you know, you have this dispensary that's next to a wine tasting, that's next to a restaurant and you're in this beautiful farmland. And it's like, you know, I think the way they actually launched was to be um, a dispensary and a, a spa. So like, but, but, you know, COVID kind of crushed that. I think it'll come back, but you're really seeing these new developed, you know, cannabis kind of like experiences and like all the lounges that are popping up. I know New Leaf is doing a, a lounge over on the strip, which will be so cool. Like now you can, you know, take some time in Vegas, but like go to this cannabis lounge. Like there's really just, it's going to be nonstop what they come up with. And it's, it's really exciting. I think from like a cannabis beverage point of view as well, I think like the on-premise opportunities Hmm. is super exciting. So if we can see more cannabis cafes, um, I would love to see like cannabis beverage bars. I think there's just so much opportunity there. Um, So yeah, anything that the lounges, I, I just think there's a lot of opportunity within like cannabis hospitality as well. Like as these new spaces are starting to develop um, and tourism. So in like Sonoma County, cannabis tourism um, is a big focus. And with these new um, farm tours and farm to table experiences, I just think with like tourism and direct consumer experiences, it, it's, it's a very exciting time for cannabis. Yeah. You actually just reminded me, I have a partnership with, um, Hotel G in San Francisco. So when you check into their room, there's room service and there's also, it's called higher end and it's like an own a menu made for delivery to room service. That's amazing. Uh, so like something like that, that was really cool to come up with. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. And I'm, you know, like you said, uh, normalizing cannabis use in cafes, in bars, you know, right now we're only seeing it at the cannabis events, right? Like I, I, I saw the, uh, infused drinks bar there's a bunch of them all over hall of flowers uh, a lot of sponsorships of those type of events but yeah you know, i can't wait to see uh see that normalized on on premises you suggested jamie yeah i'd love to see it too and hopefully like some cannabis cocktail bars as well yeah. and just making live drinks live cuisine um i think the the future is very bright for culinary cannabis in general too so i know there's so many chefs all over the world that want to cook with cannabis and have cannabis restaurants. So I really hope uh, we can make that a reality. Wonderful. wonderful. And then, uh, you know, how would you describe the feeling of the industry compared to others? I know, Jamie, you've been uh, in wine and cannabis, like how are they different? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're we, we kind of covered a lot of that now, but yeah. <laughs> they're very different, but they're, they're the same in many ways as well. Yeah. But I think one thing about cannabis um, that really, you know, that I'm so thrilled to be here is just all the young like entrepreneurs in this space yeah. and like this energy, um, especially here in the Bay Area, there's so many entrepreneurs and I feel like we all work together. We want to support each other. And I just think like the community is something that's very special and unique in the cannabis space. I agree. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. Uh- yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, we were so lucky with the community. Like, I remember going to those, you know, the first couple of events and I felt like I was at home. I was like, yeah. I love these people. Like, and, you know, it was like an artistic group of people. It, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, it was just like, everything was so fun and inspiring and everyone was helping each other. Like your network's my network type of thing. And, you yeah. know, we really started in the grassroots of it. So it's really cool to watch it flourish, but we do have to kind of like, 
keep each other's backs while all these corporate guys and investors are coming in because I do believe a little bit of the soul of our industry is getting sucked. Yeah, so, and I know that. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, you know, the I posted something on LinkedIn today about that. Is that we were at you know thirty seven percent of of women holding you know executive you know positions, and now it's down to twenty two percent. That's only in a couple of years. So this yeah. the influx of kind of mainstream companies, a lot of consolidation going on. Has definitely reduced the you know, d- diversity in in the in the industry as a whole, right? So absolutely, and it's just getting harder to survive the market. So yeah. you know, you're seeing it, it, it's it's like a double double kind of like sandwiched in reasons of happening all around. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we um, before we log off here, Nareed, Jamie, if you'd like to share anything about your your business, where they can find you, your social media, just so that uh, you know our audience can connect you connect with you after uh, the session here? Yeah, thank you. So Ona is based in Marin County, but we deliver to San Francisco, Sonoma, Napa, East Bay, and San Francisco, if I didn't already say that. Um, <laughs> and our website's super easy. It's just ona.life. And it's the same for our Instagram handle. Um, feel free to call us. I truly believe it's the best way to get a hold of us is to experience our customer service and um, I promise you'll be hooked. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then for my information, um, you can find me at the which is my blog or herbossi.com, which is the canvas infused wine, um, URL. And then on social media, you can find me at the Herbsom. Um, you can find more information about my books there, um, about recipes, infused beverages, all the above. And then Herbossi's handle is Herbossi Official on social media. Um, so yeah, I hope to see everyone out here in San Francisco and stay tuned for more uh, event announcements from both Nareet and myself. <laughs> so we had something in the works. Yeah. Well, thank you both for taking the time to join us today. And you know, for everyone that joined us, I did post uh, the links here in the chat. So if you want to take a look at uh, Nareet and Jamie's businesses, feel free. And once again, thank you again for, for sharing all your insights. Can't wait to do a follow-up and you know, just share more with the community. Thank you so thank much you. for having us. And thanks Likewise. for everyone for tuning in. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Dorit. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Ciao.